0: You guys ready to worship the Lord this morning? Morning, He's good, amen? Let's put our hands together as we bless the
1: Lord and give him glory. He's worthy. Blessing, honor, strength, and power. alone now and forever love this world could never stop there is no one like I got reach it now to touch the broken mercy breaking through this moment faithful is the one who saves worthy your name. Oh God, the glory is yours. The kingdom is come and the battle is over. Jesus, in your name we rise. The glory is yours. The glory is yours. All belongs to you, God. no and rangers watch and wonder. On that day when time is over, and every heart at last proclaim worthy joy. Besides, there has never been any anything like you. Nobody beside there any, like you, there has never been anything like you. Nobody beside you, there has never been anyone. Nobody beside you, there has never been anyone, anything like. Nobody beside you, there will. be The battle is over. Jesus, in your name we rise. The glory is yours. The glory is yours. Oh God, the glory is yours. The kingdom is come and the battle is over. Jesus, in your name we rise. The glory is yours. The glory is yours. Oh God, the glory is yours. The kingdom is come and the battle is over. Say your name we rise, the glory is yours, the glory is yours
0: If you believe that, give God some praise in this place this morning. Yeah. What do you say we have a baptism right in the middle of our worship? Amen? People are just getting close to the Lord and want to follow Jesus in obedience. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So take a step down and tell us your name and why you're getting baptized today. My name is
1: Lorraine and Martin. No.
0: All right, take your time. To get closer to God. Amen. Well, we're proud of you. Come on down. Amen. Kind of stretch your hand out and just in agreement. Father, we thank you for somebody just willing to follow you in obedience, Lord. And we pray if she goes under the water, the past is gone. She comes up brand new. We baptize her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, be filled with the Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Now you're ready to worship? Amen. Change lives. Amen.
1: Well, let's put our hands together a glorious God Oh God Oh Lord You are glorious Shout it out and As we make Your praise glorious. You are glorious. Break Your Name. Your love remains forever and ever. You stay the same. Shout it out, shout it out, shout it out. If you know He's good, sing it out, sing it out. For the Lord is good. Shout it out loud. Gloria prayer We declare. We pray. God, would You shine? Shine, Jesus. You shine. We bless your name Lord, you're worthy Jesus, you're worthy Lord, Lord, we worship you, Jesus. Great are you Lord, great are you Lord. hearts will cry these bones will say Great.
2: you. That it's in you that we live. It's in you that we move. And it's in you that we even are alive and have a being. That God, without you, we are nothing. That God, we are not strong enough. We are not smart enough. We are not gifted enough to do anything without you. And Lord, I just want to say thank you. We don't have to do anything without you that your presence is here with us your presence is here and that in your strength we can do all things with your might we can do anything and Lord we just want to say we love you we thank you God that you're here with us and that you are a great God we love you we love you we're going to take this time in the middle of our worship, to pray for anyone that has a prayer request, that has a special need. We're going to be calling our, our ministry team down around the front. But when I was praying about what, something specific that God was wanting to minister to people today, he gave me the word out of Joshua 1. We've been reading Joshua the last couple of days in our Bible reading guide. And in Joshua 1, three times God told Joshua be strong and courageous three times. The second time he said, be strong and very courageous. Now for God to say that three times in just nine verses, do you think maybe Joshua was a little bit afraid? Do you think Joshua could have been overwhelmed by what he was facing and the task that was before him and the circumstances and the giants and all of this? And God just had to breathe a little fresh strength and courage into him. And this is what the word of the Lord is to you today. Whatever you are facing, whatever mountain seems in front of you, whatever impossible task or circumstances, God is saying today, be strong and courageous. Listen what else he says, amen, amen. He says, I will not fail you or abandon you. He says that you will be successful in everything you do as you follow and obey me. And then he says, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So I want to encourage you today. You're not in this alone. God is right there with you and he will walk through this with you. So we want to pray with anyone that has a special need, whatever it may be, maybe sickness, it may be a family issue, a business issue, but especially for those of you that are facing some difficult, impossible tasks, you're overwhelmed. We want to pray for fresh courage and strength to you. So I call you forward as we continue to worship, come and receive prayer and receive that courage and strength.
1: I don't feel this. He shares a melody, tells me to repeat it. Upon my eyes, and He came in the light and burned up all the lies, and He made me whole. again, and I am free, and I'm no slave, let's sing that again, oh I'm love, and I am love, and I am new again, and I am free, oh God, I'm no slave to sin, and I'm a saint. I am righteousness, and I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. I am more, that he shares I am, I am more, that he shares I am, that he shares I am. Oh God, I am yours. Well, I'm say it out and I have to move. Then he says, I am, and I can move. Then he says, I am, and I can move. He says, I am. Jesus I am His own. Belong to you, oh God. Go ahead, somebody give him some praise in this place this morning. We
0: love you, Jesus. You know what? I just got a feeling in my heart. I think we can give him a little more praise than that. Come on, somebody really praise him in this place this morning. God, you're worthy. Lord, we bless your name in this house
1: this morning, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. But thou, oh, Lord, a heart high above all the earth. And thou art exalted far above O oh God For Thou, O oh Lord art high above all the earth And Thou art exalted I'll see you, Lord. this place this morning just say, I want more of God. Amen? Come on, give him a hand clap of praise like you mean it this morning. We bless you, Jesus. And hey, why don't you turn around to two or three people you never met, tell them how happy you are to see them in God's house this morning. Oh, you speak. And we want more, God. Oh, you move. And we want more. we want the full day.
2: We're so glad you're with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church.
3: Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in.
2: Our ministry guide gives you plenty of opportunities to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreaches.
3: If you're a first-time guest, fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect room where you'll receive a free gift bag.
2: Don't forget about our Saturday night meal and snacks between services on Sunday mornings in the Connect Cafe. Our coffee bar is always open. We are so glad that you're here, and we hope that you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. making some wonderful delicious homemade chicken spaghetti. We are getting ready for a mission-minded meal this weekend and we are raising money for a trip to Oaxaca, Mexico Mother's Day weekend. We're putting on a women's conference, children's conference, and a youth conference, and if you would like to help support our team, stop by the table out in the foyer and buy you a chicken spaghetti casserole, or come to our meal after second service and enjoy it with you and your family. God bless, and thanks for helping support our mission team.
3: Men's Brick april 25th 8 30 a.m bacon archery contest bacon guest speaker ron hammond bacon men's breakfast april 25th 8 30 a.m church on the rock well
0: hey man look at your neighbor and go bacon, bacon 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 you can tell we like our food here at church on the rock don't we We do want to welcome you to Church on the Rock. And if this is your first time here, a lot of great information in the back of that chair. But also, stop by the Connect Room, just on the other side of these walls when you leave. We've got a gift bag for you, tell you a little more about the church, if you have any questions or anything. Uh, As you saw today, after service, stop by the Connect Cafe and have a meal and all that. It's a donation, all that will go to missions and help send somebody, a team to Mexico, like they're doing children, youth, women's conference, so it's a big thing. And uh, also, you can get a to-go box if you want to do that. And then Saturday, we've got a men's uh, kind of a gathering in the morning, a breakfast. Ron Hammonds will be here that weekend. This guy was a bodyguard, travels all over the world. I'm telling you, Uh, he's from the Houston area. He'll be up here, have a little archery contest. So a great chance to meet some men, get sharpened a little bit. So some good things happen at Church on the Rock. Amen? Amen. Pastor Linnell, hey. Pastor John's wife's coming. If you're uh, fairly new to our church, Pastor John Miller's our senior pastor. This is his wife, Linnell. And we've given him a sabbatical just to get away a little bit and and rest and not worry about the church. He's been here over 25 years, so we want to bless him. But can we pray for our pastor right now and just agree just for God, just refresh him. Father, we thank you for Pastor John, the years of service, the years of love, and, uh, and just pastoring over this flock, Lord. And we just ask you to bless him, that you'll visit him right now. We declare strength to his body. Lord, just health and rest to his soul and his emotions lord you would just come and just bless him let him just hear your voice and let him hear that well done good and faithful servant and lord just be able to come back strengthened and ready just to just to feed your sheep and we just bless him in jesus name amen
2: well amen um we're getting ready to receive our tithes and offerings and i would like you to turn with me in proverbs chapter 19 verse 17 It says, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and He will repay you. Let me give you a little bit about what your tithes and your offerings are doing in the last couple of weeks to reach the poor and needy, not only of our community, but around the world. The first thing, I don't know if you remember on, I think it was Easter Sunday, they showed, I guess they showed the destruction of a great flood. It was the week last week of a great flood that happened in Haiti. It was a flash flood, a big tropical storm blew in and washed away the retaining wall. Big, massive, I think it was 10 foot wide and I don't know how many feet long that was protecting their new building. Well, it washed away in the flood. They were afraid it was gonna wash away their building and they asked and put out a call for help to rebuild the wall, to protect and undershore that building. And I'm really excited to say that our church in the last two weeks have sent $20,000 to help rebuild that wall in Haiti. And it's because of your offerings, your tithes, because of the monies that you give, we've been able to do that. Another big thing that our church is doing here in our city is we've started what we've been calling a renesting program, but now we're calling it Furnished by Faith. We have a warehouse, and we are filling it with furniture to help people that are moving from off the street into homes or who have lost their homes and are being put back into an apartment or a home to fill it with furniture. And so we have this Furnished by Faith ministry that's starting. And I'm excited to say that a a warehouse has been donated, and we're getting ready to start and officially launch this. And May 9th, we are looking for a work day. We're going to have it in the bulletin next week, but we would love for men and women to come out, help get some shelves built and get it all organized so that we can start ministering to the poor and needy of our city. Again, it's your tithes, it's your offerings that are going to minister to the poor and needy. And the Bible tells us that we're lending to the Lord and He will repay us. Let me pray a blessing over you. Lord, I just want to say thank you for a generous church. I thank you, Lord, for each family, each business that's represented here, each individual. I thank you that they are generous and that they have a heart for the poor and needy of our city and of the world. And I pray that, God, as we give our tithes and our offerings today, that, Lord, you would open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there would not be room enough to contain it. We love you, Lord, and we say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all as you give. And we're going to continue worship.
1: Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, oh my soul, I worship His holy name, sing like never before.
3: say, God is good. Look at your neighbor and say, you're looking good this morning. Amen. Can we give it up one more time to the worship team leading us into the presence of God? You know, the Bible says where the when we lift up the name of Jesus that God inhabits the praise of his people. Amen. God's presence is in the house and and again, we are so glad that you're here. If you're a guest, just so blessed that you're here. Uh, my name is Travis. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. South. Uh, I'm actually the youth and the young adult pastor and so glad to be sharing with you this morning. As Pastor Mike prayed, we want to continue to pray for Pastor John, amen? I mean, don't we have good pastors at our church? Pastor John, Ms. Linnell, they love us, they care about us, and we want to lift him up so when he comes back, he will be refreshed and just rejuvenated. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes I have some issues and junk in my life, and you know, uh, Pastor John carries all this stuff, so look at your life and your neighbor's life, and uh, sometimes I think that gets heavy on a senior pastor, so uh, he's taking a little sabbatical, and when he comes back, let's be better people, okay? Some of y'all are like, is he for real? Like, <laughs> yeah, you probably need to be a better person, so do I, but anyway, uh, glad that you're here this morning. And uh, over the last month, has God not been doing some amazing things in the life of our church? Come on, 300 people in the last month have got saved at our church. I mean, that's something to get excited about, amen? Um, Over the last month, we've had about 50 people get baptized, and I'm telling you, we're talking about people all across the the age spectrums, youth and kids, people here in the main church, giving their heart to God. God is doing some amazing things in the life of our church, amen? Uh, Pastor Pastor Mike and Miss Sharon just a few weeks ago started their Sidewalk Sunday School back up. Every week, about 100 young people are getting reached out to and loved on, they're getting fed. I mean, that's what we're called to do as Christians, Amen. Reach out to people, love people. This past weekend, we had an amazing youth conference here at the church. It was called Be The One. We actually have some guests in the house. If they would stand up, Stephen and Katie Sexton. (laughs) Amen. So I want to honor y'all this morning. We had a great time with some youth, a couple hundred youth were here getting their lives changed and giving their heart to Jesus. But it's been a great time in the life of our church. Miss Linnell just shared with you about a mission trip that's coming up in Mexico in about two weeks. We just got a team back from Haiti that put a roof on a church. God's doing some great things. Um, how many people know that God wants to do something in every one of our lives? He does. The reason that we're here and we still have air in our lungs is so we can bless God. You know, I used to wonder, I was like, God, um, how come when we got saved, we didn't just get like zapped to heaven, you know, like that would have made things a little bit easier. Amen. No, it's because salvation is the beginning. Now we have mission, now we have purpose, and that's to reach people for Jesus Christ. Amen, with your talents, your abilities, your influence at your work, at your school, to reach people for God, every single one of us in here. And I believe, like I've been saying, God has been doing some amazing things in the life of every person in here, in the life of our church, but you've got to understand when God is doing some amazing things, there's somebody that doesn't like that to happen. The enemy, the devil, Satan, does not like good things to happen in the life of the church. The enemy doesn't like seeing people saved. The enemy doesn't like seeing your family restored. The enemy doesn't like seeing $20,000 sent to Haiti. Come on. The enemy wants your life to be a wreck. The enemy wants you to be selfish. The enemy wants you to completely focus on yourself. And listen, the enemy tries everything possible to get us off track, to mess us up. You know, the Bible says that the enemy comes to do just a few things, and that's steal, kill, and destroy. And listen, if we give the enemy an inch, he will take it all. Amen? Amen. And so as Christians, as believers, as most of us are in here, we need to be equipped for when the enemy does come. And I want you to listen to me this morning for a few minutes. I think there's two huge tricks that the enemy uses to get us off track. And the first trick is this. If the enemy can get us to see God in the wrong light, I'm telling you, it will mess your life up. Listen, if the enemy can get you to think that God doesn't care about you, if the enemy can get you to think that God is far off, if the enemy can get you to think that your life doesn't matter, I'm telling you, he's already won the victory. We have to have the right concept and the right picture of God. I believe there's Christians all over this country and non-believers are like, the reason that they're not walking in the fullness that God has for them is they see God as some big bad man that's angry upstairs that just wants to wreck our life. Friend, God wants to give us a new life, amen? So the, the, that's the first thing. The second thing that the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants to get us to see ourselves in the wrong light. Listen, a lot of us in here, we have a bad self-image. We have a, a wrong way of looking at ourselves. We look at ourselves oppositely from how God looks at ourself. If God uh, has one way of looking at ourselves and we have a different that's skewed and it's going to cause us to miss out on the purposes that God has for our life. Listen, we have to see God correctly and we have to see ourselves correctly. Amen? And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about for a few minutes this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 4. We're going to look at something really cool, but the whole message is centered around, let me see God correctly. Let me see myself correctly. And if we'll do these two things, I'm telling you, we are setting ourselves up for a life of fulfillment, a life of joy, and a life of purpose. Amen? Can we pray for a second? Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're a good God. We thank you that you're a God that loves us. You're a God that cares about us. Lord, I pray this morning that you would show us by your word how we can see you in the correct light. Lord, we would see you the way the word shows us you. We would know your character. And God, also, we would see ourselves correctly. So God, we lift you up. We thank you that your word is not going to return void this morning. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You know, I I, I get to speak every, every few months and, uh, you know, if you can give me some feedback, that'll help this morning. Okay. Um, I mean, I'll go really fast. I mean, if I can get a preach it white boy, one or two, like we'll go really fast, you know, some of y'all, like I shouldn't have said that you're going to take that to the wrong level. Hey, how many people in here for real, you've ever been misled? A few of y'all, some of y'all are so misled. You don't even know you've been misled. Okay. You've ever been misled? Maybe a friend's telling you a story and like you're believing it, then to find out like a few weeks, months later, man, they were lying to you, you know? How many people you've ever went to buy a car and you're calling about this car and they're like, this car is amazing. This car is the best. You go look at it, it's like four ball tires, like the engines like just been put back together and you're like, why are you misleading me? Um, I can remember several years ago, uh, I was a freshman in college and, and I was playing some sports and I had some, some teammates and, and we had a pretty good relationship. This particular teammate of, of mine, we, uh, we were friends and, and we were pretty close, we weren't super close. We weren't best friends, but we knew each other. We had a locker beside each other, okay? One day my friend comes to me after, uh, after practice and he says, hey, in about a month, my mom is having a birthday party. I don't have a vehicle, um, can you drive me to this birthday party, okay? And uh, I know why he asked me, because like I'm a great person, right? <laughs> I'm a super guy. So he asked me this, I'm like, sure man, I'll, I'll, I'll drive you to your mom's house, just remind me, let me know and, and we'll do this. Well, month kind of passes, I don't hear anything from him about this and after practice one day, he, he kind of like, hey man, uh, are you good to leave in about 10, 15 minutes? And I'm like, bro, you forgot to tell me. I haven't thought about this in a while. I, I've got homework. I've got a tomorrow. I've got a paper. I can't do it. And I, his face just kind of got sad, you know? And, and, and it turns out I'm not a great person. I'm a terrible person. And he's like all sad about it. It's his mom's birthday party. And um, he said, well, um, do you mind if I drive your truck? Okay. This story's about to get really sad, really fast. Okay. So, Feeling a little guilt, feeling a little like, man, I don't want this guy to to miss his mom's birthday party, right? And so I'm like, sure, man. I gave him my keys and, and I remember asking him, you're a good driver, right? Of course I'm a good driver. I mean, who's going to say they're a bad driver? Some of you in here laughing, you're terrible drivers, but... You're the great driver, right? So, anyways, I, I give him the keys. I go about my, my life, and, and that night I ate, I did some homework. About 10 30, 11 o'clock rolls around, and I haven't heard from this guy, and he thought he said he was going to be back around then. So, I call his dorm. And no one answers, okay? This was the day before cell phones were like incredibly important, all right? This was a landline, okay? At this time, I've got a Nokia phone and like, I didn't wanna use it. I just had it to play my one game called Snake, okay? It was amazing. And so I called the landline, he wasn't there. And I thought, man, I guess this is a a crazy birthday party, you know, and and maybe, you know, I'll get my truck the next morning. I wake up the next morning, I have morning workouts. I go out to the parking lot. My truck's not there, okay? I gotta tell y'all, I had this truck. It was a 1997 Ford F-150. It was white, it was a step side. The truck had a name. The name was Baby. The truck was my baby, okay? I like, I kept it clean, I armoralled it, you know? I had like my CD deck in there. Uh, now my truck that I have now, I'm 30, it's terrible. There's like Cheerios everywhere. There's like VeggieTale songs in the CD player. Like, life's good for me. But anyway, I come out there, my truck is not there. And, and, and I'm pretty upset at this point. Like, where's my truck? Did this guy, did he, did he go on vacation? Did he sell my truck? What's happening? Um, so finally, after lunch, this this guy finally comes to my room. Okay. And he comes to my room. He gives me the keys to my truck. I'm telling you all this story's about to get bad. He gives me the keys to my truck. And I I was kind of giving him a hard time. Like, man, I needed my truck today. And he's like, uh, uh, I got to tell you something. I'm like, oh gosh. And he's like, I wrecked your truck. And at first I thought he was playing and then I could tell he wasn't playing. And then he said, "I I totaled your truck. And the reason I wasn't here last night is because we were out all night long trying to get your truck from wrapped around a tree, okay? And I can remember at first obviously being like really down and then really mad. I felt all these emotions, okay? And the dude totaled my truck, all right? Let me tell you, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life was make a phone call to my dad to tell him my truck was totaled and yes, dad, I'm okay because I wasn't driving the truck. Okay. Teenagers don't let anybody ever drive your car. All right, man. Some of you parents, y'all owe me some money, but here's the, here's the kicker. Here's a kicker. This guy didn't have a driver's license. I gave a guy that didn't have a driver's license, my truck. I mean, you could preach another message with that. (laughs) He misled me. I mean, he's a great driver because he probably only drove video games in the arcade, right? Like, he misled me. And I tell all that long story to say this. If you're in the audience today, young man, that wrecked my truck, please give me a new one. I haven't seen him since, honestly, I haven't seen him in like 10 years. But seriously, the reason I'm talking about being misled is all of us in here, we've been misled. But you need to understand that the enemy's plan for your life is to mislead you. The enemy's plan for your life is to trick you, to deceive you, to get you to see yourself and God in the wrong light. Amen. Listen, when I look across this room today, I see people with amazing potential. I see people with the purpose of God in their life. I see people that are going to slay giants, people that are going to worship, people that are givers, people that are going to walk on water, businessmen and women that are going to bring God to the marketplace. I see students that are going to bring Jesus to their campus. I see people in here that are going to walk in faith and hope and love and integrity, right? The problem is when a lot of us, we look at ourselves, we don't see those things. A lot of us, when we look at ourselves, we don't see ourselves even the way God sees us. We see ourselves as hopeless. We see ourselves as ineffective. We see ourselves as a failure. When a lot of us look at ourselves, all we see is our past, all we see is our mess ups, all we see is the bad stuff that we've done in our life. And a lot of times, here's the thing when we have a misconception of who we are, it causes us to live like that. Who you think you are is how you live. Amen? If you think you are less than, if you think that you're dumb, stupid, ugly, whatever it is, that you can't do anything with your life, chances are you're probably not going to do much because your self-esteem is going to be so low you're going to walk around thinking I'm the scum of the earth. There's so many people, especially Christians in the world, that I believe they have the wrong self-image of themselves. Listen, every single person in the world is valuable in the eyes of God. Do you believe that? every unborn baby is valuable because their identity is not in what they've accomplished, but it's in who created them. Amen. Every old person that has two breasts left in their life is still valuable because God created them. Amen. Your life is valuable. And listen, when you see yourself in the wrong light. I'm telling you, that's how you live. If you see yourself as worthless, that's how you're gonna live. If you see yourself as cheap, that's how you're gonna live. If you see yourself as useless, you probably won't allow God to use you, right? But the opposite is also true. If you see yourself the way God sees you, more than a conqueror, I can do all things through Christ, right? Even though I have a past, God has a future for me. If I walk in the things that God has for my life, I can accomplish great things. Listen, every person in here, God sees your potential. And a lot of times, all we see is our failure. A lot of times, all we can see is what we can't do. Listen to me this morning. God wants you to see yourself the way he sees you. And listen, none of us in here are perfect. I'm not trying to tell you you're perfect or I'm perfect. We are sinners. But Jesus, amen. Jesus has a new life for us. He has a new identity for us. And we can walk in those things. And I want some people this morning to know that you have a future and you can walk with your head up and not your head down because of who your God is. Amen. So for a few minutes, we're going to look at this amazing story in the Bible. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 4. Look at your neighbor and say, story time. Story time. Now, do not fall asleep on me, okay? Like you'll miss lunch in 30 minutes, all right? So we're going to look at this story in the Bible, and, and hopefully through the next 15 minutes of this message, you are going to see God better, and you're going to see yourself a little bit better. The character that we're looking at is, is not a familiar character in the Bible, but the name of this character is Mephibosheth. Look at your neighbor and say, Mephibosheth. And I'll be honest, I'm going to say this word probably different five times. All right? Um, I told Whitney, you know, that our next son, we're going to name him Mephibosheth. Some of y'all like, I ain't going to say nothing, but that's stupid. That's a bad name. I'm just kidding. I like the name. If your name is Mephibosheth, you're awesome. <laughs> Let me give you some background real quick. Uh, Mephibosheth, he had a dad. His dad's name was Jonathan. His grandfather, or Jonathan's dad, was named Saul. We are familiar, hopefully, with the Old Testament. How many people remember David in the Old Testament? If you, if you don't know much about David, read the Bible, read first and second Samuel, the Kings. It's an amazing story in the Bible. And just a side note, how many people know as Christians, we need to know the word. We need to know the word. The Bible actually says that we need to study the word to show ourselves approved. We need to read the Bible, not just so we know how to live. First of all, so we'll know how to live, but we'll know how to tell other people how they should live. We'll know how to engage the culture, amen. We'll know how to raise our kids. We'll know how to share with our friends what truth is and not just what relativity is, amen. God wants us to know truth. Truth is found from God. God gave us his word. Jesus is the word come to life, amen. Jesus is the word. So anyway, we have King David. Before he's the king, Saul's the king. If you remember Israel's history, Saul was the first king of Israel and he was, he had his ups and his downs, but he will be labeled from now until Jesus comes back as a bad disobedient king. God would ask him to do things and Saul somewhat would do them, but inevitably he would disobey God. So inevitably God took his grace, his anointing, his blessing away from Saul and he anointed David to be the next king of Israel. Listen to me, if you want to walk in the blessings and the favor that God has for your life, there's a formula and the formula is called obedience. Listen, if you will be obedient to God, God will bless your life. Listen, partial obedience is still disobedience partial obedience is complete disobedience. There's no 70% or 80%. Listen, if God wants you to do something, if you will do it, God will provide a way and you'll be blessed. Amen. Amen. So so David has been anointed to be the king of Israel. Uh, A few years past, you remember the great story with David and Goliath. David shows up. The Israelites haven't been fighting for 40 days. David shows up. He's just a kid, not even old enough to fight in the army. He takes a rock, he hits uh, the giant Goliath between the eyes. He falls on the ground. David picks up Goliath's sword, cuts Goliath's head off. Ooh, that's good. Some of y'all are like, that's so violent, yeah. It's good though, right? So anyways, David goes from this unknown young man, he's a shepherd boy, no one knows his name, to overnight he kills a giant and he is famous. Okay, he's like a YouTube sensation. Everybody in Israel knows who he is. In fact, because he kills this giant, he gets to marry King Saul's daughter, and for a time, he gets to live in the palace. And listen, things are good for him for a while. He meets one of Saul's sons named Jonathan. They become best friends. The Bible says that they made a covenant with one another. And so David is living this great life, except. Saul, who's the king, becomes jealous, becomes angry. Hatred comes in his heart and he wants to kill David, okay? Um, How many people know that's a weird, awkward situation? You invite David over for a slumber party and Saul wants to kill him, okay? Like, that's kind of awkward. All right, so David, uh, inevitably, he gets chased by Saul. If you read through the Old Testament, you will see Saul, even though David killed a giant for him, led his army, played the heart for him, he becomes so jealous and so raging and angry that he tries to kill David. Uh, actually, for four years, he is, David's living in caves because Saul is trying to kill him. So if you kind of fast forward after David marries one of Saul's daughters for about 10 or 15 years, what you have going on in Israel is constant war. The Israelites are fighting the Philistines, they're fighting the Amalekites and when they're not fighting the neighboring tribes, they're fighting amongst themselves, right? They're fighting within and like I said, uh, Saul is putting his energy trying to chase David and kill David, right? So for 10, 15 years, this is happening and then we kind of jump right before I'm about to read this story. This is what happens right before the text that we're about to read. The fighting is going on. The Israelites are fighting the Philistines and King Saul dies, King Saul dies, and not only does Saul die, but his son, Jonathan, dies as well. So right after this happens, this is, this is a tragedy. I mean, Saul dies, his son dies, and inevitably David becomes a king, first to Judah and then to Israel. All right, so this is where the story turns. Right after David becomes king, a lot of people that dislike Saul, a lot of people uh, who hated Saul, in fact, they start rounding up Saul's descendants, Saul's son, Saul's family, they begin to exile some, they begin to kill others, okay? This is how the ancient world worked, and even in the Middle Eastern world today, when a new king comes into power, someone of a new name, they get rid of the old king's descendants. King Saul died. We don't want Saul or his family ever to rule again. We don't want there ever to be a power struggle. We're gonna round up his family and we're gonna get rid of them, okay? So this is what has been happening. Um, a lot of you, uh, I know, remember uh, Saddam Hussein, the dictator of Iraq. Years ago, when he became into power, he executed dozens and dozens of his predecessor's family. It's just kinda of how things happened back then and even happened today. Okay, and it's important to note that David isn't ordering these things to happen, but this is just happening. So 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 1, I'm reading from the ESV. It says, Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And as she fled in her haste, he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. okay. So stop right here. Jonathan has a son. His son's name is Mephibosheth. After Jonathan dies and Saul dies, this young man named Mephibosheth, he's living in the palace. His nurse and the people that took care of him, they are trying to get out of the palace. Why are they trying to get out of the palace? Because Saul's family is being killed and being rounded up and being exiled and they are fleeing for their life. Well, what happens? In their haste, the Bible says that Mephibosheth falls and he becomes crippled. Listen, this this is a bad day. I want want you to be in this story. Mephibosheth, he's five years old. His daddy is the prince. His grandfather is the king. He lives in a palace. He can run around. He can play soccer, whatever. In a day, his daddy's dead. His granddaddy's dead. He's crippled, and now he doesn't have a house. That's a bad day. Now, we don't hear anything else about Mephibosheth until chapter 9, but for a second, I want us to think about this young man's life. Listen, if you were disabled or crippled back in the day, you had a tough life. Look, thank God we live in 2015 and there's science and there's medical things, there's wheelchairs, there's different stuff. But back in the day, they didn't have this stuff. If you were crippled, if you were disabled, you had a hard time. You had to get people to help you do everything. You had to get people to help you provide so you just, you could eat. People back in the day, if you were crippled, you were considered an outcast. You were considered cursed by God, okay? So this boy hasn't had the best luck. He's crippled. He had to run from his palace. Not only that, but his daddy's dead and his granddaddy's dead. Listen, just for a second. Do you realize that we live in the most fatherless generation of all time? Do we realize this? Do we realize that there's so many kids that are being grown up that are kids now that are even adults now that they're growing up and they haven't been fathered or mothered? Right. We see the state of our country and I believe we're turning away from God because we don't have the values instilled in children of who God is and what God expects out of their life. We have babies trying to raise themselves. We have men that really aren't men because they've never been validated by a father and they've never had anyone show them how to be a man. The same thing with a woman. Listen, if I can encourage you with anything this morning, it would be this, if you have kids, father them and mother them. Father them and mother them, not just taking them to church. This is a great thing, but you need to be having church at the house, amen? You need to. And not only that, look, everybody's got an extra seat at their table, amen? Listen, take care of your biological kids and one of your kids' friends that don't have a daddy or a mama, bring them over. Father them, parent them, amen? So this boy, Mephibosheth, has not had a great life. We would say that he hasn't had the best draw. Mephibosheth is living a life less than. He's living a life unnoticed. He's living a life where he thinks no one cares, not to mention he's crippled, not to mention he doesn't have a father or a grandfather, And listen, I feel like there's a lot of people in this room this morning that maybe on the outside you look good, your shirt looks clean, your shoes are spursed up, you look good. But on the inside, maybe you feel like this young man. Maybe you feel broken. Maybe you feel hurt. Maybe you feel unnoticed. Maybe you feel less than. Maybe you've come from a bad family circumstance. Maybe you've had something tragic that's happened in your life years ago and you are still broken over that thing. Listen, I feel like there's a lot of people in this room that you are living a less than life. And if you're to be honest with yourself, you're thinking, man, I wish things in my life would just change. I wish things would just get better. I wish somebody would just notice me. I wish somebody would just care. There's a lot of people out there. Listen, we've all been there in our life. Amen. But listen, God sees us. Listen to me this morning. God notices you. God cares for you, right? A lot of times we can feel like we're so far away from God, but man, God is right here. Listen, the Bible never says that our life will be perfect, but the Bible says that Jesus will be with us. Listen, Jesus said that there will be tribulations in your life, but take cheer. I've overcome, right? The Bible says one day we're going to meet Jesus in the air and things will be perfect. But right now on earth, friend, things aren't perfect. There's a thing called sin and we're born into it. And it causes us to do things, think things, say things that are completely opposite of what God says. But listen, one day things are going to be completely restored. One day things are going to be perfect. One day there's going to be no sin. But right now, the best we have is leaning on the Holy Spirit and Jesus to get us through hard times in our life. Some of us in here, we've been so downtrodden. What we need is to know that there's a God that cares. There's a king that cares, there's a king that sees you. Yes. Second Samuel chapter nine, let's, this is years later, let's find out about Mephibosheth. It says, and David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba and they called him to David and the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I'm your servant. Verse three. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of Machar, the son of Amiel at Lo-Debar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Makar. Listen, David hadn't forgot about Jonathan's son. Are you listening to me? Some of you in here this morning, you think God may have forgotten about me. I'm in church, but I still feel that God's a long way away. Listen to me. God sees you. God hasn't forgotten about you. God knows the circumstance that you're in. He knows your past, but he hasn't left you and he hasn't forsaken you. God loves you. Then in verse six, it says this, Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, fell on his face, he paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, behold, I am your servant. Listen, I doubt Mephibosheth really knows what's about to happen. If you can put yourself in the story. Mephibosheth, his whole life, he's lived in fear of this man named King David. King David was a predecessor to his father and all he knows is he's five years old and he gets taken away and a lot of his relatives are killed. A lot of his relatives are exiled. He's been running his whole life from this guy named David. Now David is sending for him. David wants him to come. Listen, I wonder this morning if there's some people that are in this crowd that even though you're sitting here in church, you're running from God. Listen, you can be in church and still be running from God. You can be in church and still be living disobedient. You can be in church and still not say yes to the full calling that God has on your life. Listen, I lived a big part of my Christian life running from God. God, do I want to go all the way in or I still want to do kind of my own thing? Listen, some of you in here, God's told you to, to start serving. God's told you to start uh, reaching out to someone. God's told you to start tithing. He's told you to start blessing a missionary. When we don't do that, we're running. From God. And here's the problem. That's the one person we can't run from. The Bible says flee sin, run to Jesus, right? Verse seven. And David said to him, do not fear for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore. Look at your neighbor and say, restore. To you all the land of Saul, your father, you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as me? Listen to me, at this point, we see how the young man sees himself. He sees himself as a dog. He sees himself as unworthy. He sees himself as unnoticed. He sees himself as no one cared. And I can guarantee we could probably trace his life if, if it showed it in the Bible. And we would see this was a young man that probably lived a life with his head down. Listen, this was a young man that needed to be restored. Amen. This was a young man that needed to be noticed. And what I love about David in the Bible is David notices him. He's loving this young man. And here's the next part of the story that I believe is the most important part of the whole story. If I can get my, my gentlemen to come up and uh, they're gonna help me for a second. Can you give it up for them? Men of God right here. What I love about this story is David says, not just, hey man, I wanna give you some stuff. I wanna give you some food, whatever. David says, I want you to sit at my table, okay? Okay. Now, this is a poor representation of what David's table would have looked like, okay? I mean, we could play a little gin rummy on this table, but you've got to imagine the king's table would have been huge. He said, I don't want to just give you a handout. I don't want to just like give you, you know, 40 acres and a, and a mule and, and, you know, a little house over there. I want you to come to my table. What's important about a table? When you are sitting at a table and there's people all around, and you're eating, you're passing the cornbread, you're passing, passing the potatoes, What do you not see? What's under the table, right? See, what David was doing to Mephibosheth wasn't just feeding the young man, he was covering his weakness. He came to restore the young man. Listen, when you're sitting at the table of the king, it don't matter what's under the table, you're restored. You're covered. Your weakness is covered. Your disability is covered. Amen. And you know what? What else is covered? Everybody else's weakness. You can't see him. He can't see you. You are seated at the table. And listen to me, friend. God's got enough room at his table for me and you. He really does. He does. Let's give it up for our volunteers real fast. They did a great job of sitting there, right? Like they owned that for real. Listen. As I close and the band's coming up, David didn't just give some food to these people. David came to restore this man. This was a man that needed to be restored. This was a man that was broken. This was a man that was hurt. This was a man that didn't have identity. This was a man that didn't have a father or a grandfather in his life. And this was a man that was disabled. And King David said, you know what? You're sitting at my table. Listen, friend, I feel like a lot of times we get a misconception of who God is. God doesn't want to destroy you. God wants to restore you. God doesn't want to cuss you out or make you have a terrible life. God is the one that gives life. God is the one that gives abundant life. Amen. Let's finish this up. Verse 11. I love this. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem and he always ate at the king's table. Amen. Friend, God has a seat at his table for you. And he's got a seat for me. See, the boy thought that there was no hope. The boy thought his life was useless. I'm going to live and die and no one's going to care. I'm going to live in fear at this guy named David. You know, I hope he never finds out who I am. But wasn't there a twist to the story? Listen, this young man was misled. This young man was confused. The king didn't want to destroy him. He wanted to cover him. He wanted to love on him. First Peter 4 and 8 says, love covers a multitude of sin. Listen, there's some people in here, you see God the wrong way. God is a lover of your soul. God cares for you. The Bible says that he's a father to the fatherless. The Bible says that he has a seat prepared for me at his table. The Bible says that I'm the bride of Christ, amen? The Bible says that he came to give me a hope and a future. The Bible says that he's slow to wrath, right? The Bible says that he wants to help me and save me. The Bible says that God cares for me. Listen to me this morning as we're all standing on our feet. Every one of us in here, We're all Mephibosheth. That's our story. Every one of us, we've been broken, we've been hurt. We've committed sin, we've done bad stuff. Listen, Mephibosheth didn't deserve to sit at the king's table. None of us in here, we don't deserve God. Do You understand this? We don't deserve salvation. On our best day, the Bible says that our righteousness is still like filthy rags to God. It's because Jesus that we can sit at the table. It's because Jesus we can have life. Friend, Jesus didn't come to just make us better and give us some food, he came to make us alive. That's why he came. What's interesting about this story is even though David sent for Mephibosheth, the young man still had to come. And I have two questions for us this morning. Number one, I wonder if you've received Jesus. See, the way we're saved is we receive God. We receive His Son. We repent of our sins. The Bible says if we will repent of our sins and turn to God, He'll save us. Listen, maybe you're in this place this morning and you're running from God. I'm not saying you're a bad person. You're probably a great person. The problem is great people don't make it to heaven. Jesus lets us go to heaven because of His Son. Listen, if you're in this place and you've never said yes to Christ, He loves you. He died for you. He has a plan to give you a hope and a, f- a future. He wants to restore you, amen? Listen, if you're in this place, you say, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I need to put my trust in Jesus. How do I know if I'm saved? Because you would know. I put my trust in him. I've asked for forgiveness. If you're in here today and you've never done that, and today you want to, just raise your hand. I wanna receive Christ. I wanna receive him today. I wanna receive Jesus, amen, amen. I see one hand, I see two, amen, amen. Give it up for these people in the back, amen. In just a second, we want you to come forward and we wanna pray with you, but here's the second question tonight, and I think this is really all of us. Second question is this, do you need to be restored? Listen, all of us, we in need of restoration. The Bible says that he ate at the king's table all the time. There's times in our life where bad things are gonna happen and we need Jesus to restore us. You know, as I was praying for the message this weekend, I knew there's gonna be some people in here that you need your marriage restored. You need your relationship with your kids restored. You need your finances restored. Maybe you have an addiction in your life and you need God to, to heal that thing. You need God to cover that thing. You need freedom in that area. Maybe you're in here and you are sick in your body. Friend, God is still a healer. God is still a redeemer, amen? So here's what I'm gonna do. If you say I'm in this place, and, and I, I know this is a lot of us, I'm gonna be the first one to raise my hand, but you say, Travis, I, I need God to touch an area of my life. I need some restoration in that area. If that's you, raise your hand real fast. I see you all over the room, amen. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Just throw your other hand up and let's receive God's blessing in our life. Can we do that? As our prayer team is coming up, let me pray for you. Lord, we love you. God, you are the great healer, you are the great restorer, and Lord, we thank you that you can cover us. Lord, I pray right now for broken marriages, broken families, that you would fix them. Lord, people that are sick in their body, that you would fix them, that you would heal them. God, people, even with their finances, their finances are broke. God, would you heal those finances? Lord, all of us in here, God, we need you in some facet of our life. God, I pray that addictions would be turned over to you and you would bring freedom in Jesus' name. God, we say yes to you. God, give us freedom. God, restore us. And thank you for letting us sit at your table. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Can we give it up for Jesus this morning? I want my prayer team to come up. If you have any prayer needs, man, we want to pray with you about those needs. Anything, it can be about the message or whatever. We wanna pray for you. Those that raised your hands for salvation, come down, we wanna pray for you. But here's how we're gonna close. Pastor Nick learned this awesome song I asked him to learn like last night. And uh, let's worship God and let's thank him that he's a restorer, amen? If God's restored you and saved you, we've got something to worship about, amen? Amen.
1: And I was carried to the table Seated where I don't belong Carried to the table Swept away by His love And I don't see my brokenness anymore when i'm seated at the table of the lord come on let's sing that again we say lord that i don't see my brokenness anymore when i'm seated at the table of the lord last time we played we say, lord i don't see my brokenness anymore when I'm seated at the table of the Lord, I'm carried to the table,
0: the table of the Lord. Hey, well, our prayer team's going to remain around front and pray for whatever's going on in your life. And I encourage you, hey, don't leave this place without letting somebody pray if you're going through something. If not, hey, we look forward to seeing you next week and God bless you.
1: I was carried to the table Seated where I don't belong I was carried to the table Was away by His love